What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, April 11th, 2022, and this week's episode, Hamsat Delivers. We'll be recapping a wild UFC 273, two title fights, and arguably the fight of the year. We'll touch on a bit of MMA news, the rematch of arguably the greatest women's MMA fight of all time, and we will preview a very stacked weekend of mixed martial arts action, Bellator and UFC, both with rematches, one heavy title implication, and even the end of the Grand Prix, so there's going to be plenty to talk about. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. How are you doing, man? I am good, Natalie Z. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good hanging in there. We had the three, two or three days of just hellish weather, and now it's back to being cool. We've got a little rain today, so I'll take it when I can get it. But uh, those 97 degree days are something else over here. It's officially been like sinus week. Like all the mm-hmm. flowers have officially bloomed enough that they're effing up my, uh, you know, my nose, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, how beautiful. This this I got that flonase, baby. Flonase. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> it's horrible. But anyway, no, look, we're back. It's another beautiful day. Um, Natalie, UFC two seventy three. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't sure it would be as good as it was. My, I know, like we have had, uh, we've been very spoiled. There've been a lot of real home run pay per views and numbered events. This one really delivered. What about you? Before we even get into any fights. It did. It did deliver. And you, you knew it would. Like the potential was pretty. Each other. Than the people's main event. So like you knew that was going to mostly deliver. But yes, we had a lot of other other fights on the card that uh, definitely got me excited. So that was. Uh, that's just bonus, right? Because you never know. Exactly. I mean, you have big names, but you never knew, know who's going to just bring it with, like, attitude, which uh, really I think we saw. And we'll touch on some of those on the undercard. But let's start from the top down. Obviously, it ended with the main event, Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, it was like at a certain point, it started to feel like an instructional video. Uh, it just he it was doing everything he wanted. It felt like he was getting takedowns with little effort. He was slipping and countering with more damage. He had zombie, you know, in full zombie mode by the second round, which I know sounds cool, but really, let's be honest, that's not a good thing. Um, It was just all systems go, and it was just... Zombie was not on Volkanovsky's level. Plain and simple. He was tough. He had his weapons. He came to fight. He didn't look for a way out. Full respect. He is still one of the most beloved and exciting contenders. But he was just not prepared for what Volkanovski brought out there at every facet of the game. Um, it, the only thing I'll say about that, uh, just uh, the stoppage by Herb Dean. We don't see stuff like that that often. Um, I have to check it. I almost feel like Moicano needed a bit of that uh, earlier. Well, not earlier this month, but uh, last month. Um, with Dos Anjos, but just, I, I literally have no problem with it. I, I, if anything, I, I felt like it could have happened a little bit sooner, like before that fourth round, but um, just 
I'm glad it's, it was stopped. I, I'm glad that Zombie c gets to go home because I think that he was starting to... We're starting to get into that territory. We're probably taking a couple of fights off the end of his career. Um, and certainly you don't want to start thinking about your health down the line with the kind of beating he was taking. Yeah, I agree totally. You know, if you're a fan of zombie movies, there's usually two kinds of zombies, right? There's the, they're both scary, but there's the fast, scary ones that'll run after you. Uh, those are sort of come later in the zombie universe. And then they're the slow kind of dummy ones that just moan and groan and eventually get to you and eat your brain. So, you know, Korean zombie was the, 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 the former, right? He was the, the fast killer that was coming after you and couldn't be stopped. On Saturday, he had a little bit of the, uh, the latter where just slow, you know, he was the other, the other zombie, unfortunately. This was hard to to watch, but again, as you said, the stoppage was was excellent. His corner should not have let him come out come out for round four. Herb Dean was was already looking for a way out for Zombie. Brought the doctor in before round four started. It really did look like uh, Alex Volkanovsky was kind of just playing with his food, not not in a mean way because you know he was trying at the end. <laughs> He, he didn't want to hit him anymore, right? But he had to just keep going until the ref stopped him. But it was definitely practice mode. It, it, you know, I've made this reference before, but it's like, you know, Soul Calibur, Street Fighter, when you go into that practice room and you get to work on all your moves and your opponent just stands there and you say, I'm going to practice my jab, practice my low kick. I'm going to practice uh, my overhand right. And it was just what it seemed like Volkanovski was doing in his head. He's like, oh, I haven't done a leg kick, a calf kick in a, in a, in a minute. Let me throw one here. I won two. It was just practice for him. So the levels, you know, vast difference in levels. And it's not a knock as much on Korean Zombie as it is really just a, a boon to Alexander Volkanovsky's, you know, hard work, determination, obsession. He's really a superior fighter right now. He's at the top, top, top of the of the class there in, at 145. So what I... I did like at the end, after all was said and done, and Volkanovski won. The respect that he showed to Korean Zombie was really nice to see. You know, Korean Zombie was very emotional. He he knelt down to, I think, just to have a moment to himself, but ended up crying and was being comforted by his wife. And, and Volkanovski, you can see it if you go back and watch. He's about to leave, and he sees that Korean Zombie's in that position, and he waits, and he keeps waiting until, until Korean Zombie gets up. Then he bows to him, hugs him, and lets him leave the octagon before before Volkanovsky does. So that was a class act move. And that's it. I mean, you know, Korean Zombie received a lot of damage. What's next for him is a break, I would recommend. And for Volkanovsky, man, like, just keep it coming. He's a killer. He's slick. He's fast. He's strong. I don't think a trilogy fight with Max Holloway will go in Max's favor at this point, just seeing how fast and how... Um, how well Alex is improving. I mean, I really want to get into that one because obviously that's the hot topic. Um, yeah, uh, Volkanovsky, I was listening to him talk to Ariel today and uh, he went into that and he said he just really wanted to show that respect to Zombie and said, you know, like, just take his time and, you know, just like he understood. He let him know, like, he could see, like, he, he got it. It's like, it must be frustrating. He could imagine that. And so he wanted to give him his respect. This hasn't made as many rounds 
I can't hundred percent confirm it, um, because my uh, my ability to understand other languages is rather limited. But um, as in, I don't know much more than about <laughs> two, <laughs> two and words and other ones over the years. But my, the point is, I know two languages. Korean isn't one of them. But I had heard a, I saw a tweet that said that when they interviewed Zombie, like Joe Rogan, the translator. Translated for zombie, but he left out that the zombie had said, I now know I'm not good enough to be champion or something to that effect, which, you know, someone wrote, it's like, that's actually a very merciful thing to kind of omit on live television. But clearly, like, if I want to know, I want to find out if that's true. If it is, that obviously says a lot about his future. I love zombie. I think there's still plenty of great MMA to be had for him. Um, at this level, at against the Holloways, Ortegas of the world, Volkanovskis, obviously, I can't say that after last night. That being said, I, he's always been a beloved favorite for good reason. If you tell me he's on the card, I say that's going to be a good fight, more likely than not. So I, I do want to acknowledge that, but I do acknowledge that even he was like, well... What am I in it for if it's not to get to that point, right? And so clearly he was feeling very down. I want to see him back. I think he deserves to go out the way a lot of these favorites deserve to go out. And that's getting to have a good fight against someone at your level and give it one more good show for everybody who's been along for the ride. Um, For Volkanovski to talk about that, I thought about this and I was like, you know... Is last night's performance better than, like, Max Holloway, Calvin Cater? Because you remember, obviously, how good, you know, Max looked. And it was like, you know, he was on, like, limitless pills mode. We've yeah, made that comparison. Yeah. Um, Volkanovski was drinking the same Kool-Aid, uh, to be honest with you, last night. It, it was just really, really something um, to watch them. And it feels like, dude, it's... It's just like they're perfect dance partners for each other. And the reason why it's not like, oh, we'll put them on every week. They don't put it on for free TV every week. There's a big price tag attached to that fight now every time out. And when you talk about selling the fight, selling it to the fans, it's, you know, it's hard to keep buying the same product no matter how good it is when you've already bought it twice, right? Yeah. You know, hey. People like their Mexican food. You could have bomb Mexican food Monday. You could buy it again Tuesday because it's good. By Wednesday, you really just want to eat something else, even though the Mexican food was perfectly great the day before. Same of thing. Course, yeah. Um, I would love it. Look, do I? I'm not going to lie. It's hard to see people beating Volk. It's still hard to see people beating Max. That's true. Now, here's what I'll say. And uh, Volk touched on it also. Um, he said he knows Max is probably the guy. I think most people would say that's probably it. If you were to tell me Volkanovski, like, let's say Max is out longer for whatever reason, or whatever. It doesn't have to be anything in particular. I could see a scenario where Volkanovski moves up to 55 to fight a Benil Dariush, fight a Dustin Poirier at this particular juncture. I think Lightweight is locked in. We're ready for Charles and Justin next month. And then after that, for sure, Islam Mahachev coming up. I think that's a big fight for the winner of Charles and Justin. There's contenders out there, though. 
And really, when you talk about 25 win streak for Volkanovski, when you talk about he's already beaten Max twice, he's beaten Jose Aldo, he's beaten Ortega, he's beaten the zombie. Um, Calvin Cater, he lost to Max, got a good win, but still it's, you know, we didn't, we weren't saying title shot for Cater, even if he beat Chikatsi. We weren't saying necessarily title shot for Chikatsi yet. He was still kind of the behind Max. So it's like, Max is right there. But I could see 155 happening too, just for Volk to challenge himself. And really, at 145, outside of adding to the numbers, really, I think he's proven everything he needs to prove. Especially against Holloway, which everyone, if you're going to point to it, the numbers stand. He's up 2-0 on Max. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's very interesting. I think he is um, suited and ready to take it, take a shot at 155. You know, would he stick around and wait for Henry Cejudo? I don't know if that's if there's <laughs> any weight to that. Um, but I was seeing something about him uh, saying I, he's unretired. Uh. I spoke with Coach Eric Albarracin earlier okay. today, right? And uh, he he ma- made it clear to me that it, it's a real thing. It's gonna happen. And I did ask him. You know dang well what's held him up. It's the money. We yeah. know he's always been down to fight. He was looking for the right deal. And I, I I, told him, I don't want to be teased. I don't want to talk about in the pool, out of the pool. I want to know, like, is he at terms that this is actually going to go through and not just, oh, he's in the pool, but he's still going to negotiate. Yeah. What Eric told me was Henry Cejudo is 100% getting into it to take fight. He's in the pool to take fights and get that featherweight title. Wow. Now, was that a yes or no about the money? I'm not sure yet. What I will tell you is I got the impression that the uh, people have accepted the line in the sand. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, hey, I'll say this. I think I think Cejudo would have to beat an Ortega or somebody like that before UFC and Volkanovski say, okay, that's worth it to me. Because right now, right now, the only guy to win anything in that scenario is Cejudo, right? If Volkanovski beats him, it's like, dude, you're a flyweight champion. You're a bantamweight champion. I'm supposed to beat you, even though you're triple C, gold medal, two belts, blah, blah, blah. Now, if Cejudo looks like, dude, he's still crushing it even at 45, then we have a big case, right? But for now, I think even Volkanovski knows he's got more to win taking on a Dariush or Max than he does, oh, let's say I go out there and let's say he goes out there and just, you know, makes a snack out of Cejudo. I mean, you know, that didn't help. That, that was very anticlimactic, right? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. doesn't really help Volkanovski's legacy because, you know, Henry Cejudo is the smaller guy. He's been out of the cage. He's going up to a weight class. He's never challenged that before. So, yeah, it's, it's a more of a coup for Cejudo. And if I'm Volkanovski, like you said, I'm just kind of like, nah, I'm not going to give you a chance. You, you can earn your way to fighting the, the best featherweight, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I would, uh, if I'm Volk, I'm looking, I'm looking upward instead of at someone like Henry Cejudo, who's trying to come back into the picture. And now the absence starts to hurt Henry, because it's like, well, now, like, the heat, just as a star and all that is kind of slowed down. I know he's coaching, I know he's... When Mike Tyson on the podcast and all that, that's not the same as when you the iron was hot while you were fighting. Yeah. It's just not. 
So he left too soon. Yeah. I mean, it was great, and it was this, just an explosion of like triumph, and then he's he's gone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then we're just gonna move on, and we have. And everyone in the know knows he overplayed his hand trying to get the get a deal out of the UFC, which yeah. just look. I mean, it it, it didn't work. Uh, I saw it. You saw it. It just it, clearly all sides seem to be pointing vocally like this move backfired. And okay, uh, if he's for real coming back, then it's like okay, get a win or two, and I'm perfectly ready to see it back. But right now, I do see the business. It's not a good business decision for everybody until Cejudo gets some more wins back. So, But yeah, like I said, 155 is out there. I think most likely he's going to fight Max, but wait and see. For sure, he's probably going on vacation soon, and that'll be, you know, well-deserved. That was just a masterclass of MMA. Uh, co-main event, um, just wow. The ground control for Aljamain Sterling kind of ended up being the story of the fight. First round, close, good exchanges, both men still revving up the engine. And then rounds two and three, Aljo, he gets that sequence, he gets the takedown, he gets Peter Jan in a bad position, takes the back, figure fours him. And both times, over three minutes to work, just is on his back, threatening with uh, rear naked chokes, softening him up with some punches. Um, round four, Peter Jan starts to rally. Round five really starts to, you know, try to run away with it a little bit. Um, Aljo slowing down. He admitted he was starting to get sloppy in there as that fight wore on against a tough guy. Uh, and you know what? The judges gave it three to two. Two out of the judges gave three rounds to two to Aljamain Sterling. Remember, he did claim the Bantamweight title, so he officially defends the Bantamweight title. It is an undisputed title. You know, Peter Jan, you know, can't unify it with the interim, so the belt stays with Aljo. And um, first off, because uh, we'll talk about a lot, obviously he had a lot to prove to everybody in this one. Did you score it for Aljo, or did you have it for Peter? I had it for Aljo. I had him winning one, two, and three. Um, Piotr Jan turned it on in four and five and sort of a combination of Piotr Jan turning the tables on Aljo as far as the ground control and also Aljo getting desperate with wanting to keep taking Piotr Jan down. As you mentioned, you referred to sloppiness. You know, that was part of the desperation there. And he got, like, fixated. And so he just kept going and going and going. If he had just maybe stood up and, like, reset himself, Maybe he could have won another round or had a chance to take Pyotrion down properly, but it didn't matter. I had it one, two, three for uh, for uh, for Aljo. What about you? Uh, I I did the same, but um, I actually I I thought it could be close. I thought Peter. Uh, I I thought we might be going to a draw because mm-hmm. I felt like round one. Oh, it's so close. It might be I know. Peter. And I watched gonna... it and I was like, ooh, that's close. <laughs> the the real shocker to me. I, I really thought round two was going to ten eight. Me too. I, I, my heart was like, this is going to be a draw. Uh, I gave Peter around, uh, this is a draw or a win for Aljo, but there's no scenario that I see that Peter Jan got enough points, plain and simple. So the the fact that no, not one of the three judges gave round two a 10-8, I, I was very surprised. But, uh, you know, I think the right person won in the end. I could see them running it back. I actually look forward to it down the line. I think, um, look, TJ Dillashaw was right there. The scene was set up pretty well. Uh, I think it'll be great. I think Aljo 
he now controls the narrative. He came back, he made the adjustments, and he got the dub on Peter. He goes into it. He had the win over Sanhagen, Pedro Munoz. Now, it's on him. He gets a win over a guy like TJ. Even in a division as competitive and deep as Bantamweight, he is standing head and shoulders above everybody after a win like that. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't a shutout, but... Clear and decisively, no controversy, he gets the W. And I think that, um, like I said, like he proved it. He reminded people that, like, hey, this is how good I am. This is how good I can be. And props to him because he had to deliver. I think we all knew that. Yeah, I mean, redemption for him, right? And and uh, Piotr Jan still looked good, too. And I think if you're anyone else in the bantamweight division, you're still afraid of Piotr Jan, more scared of him than you are of Sterling. Uh, despite Sterling having won. Uh, but yeah, I think what a confidence boost this must be for Sterling, for, you know, uh, Law MMA, Longo Weidman. Like, this was a real test, a real challenge. And they they did it, man. They did it. Uh, but like I said, Pyotrion is still a scary, scary dude. I know, right? I mean, he's, like, on the smaller side and compact, but dang, you know, let's, like, like, put it this way. You think about, like, you wouldn't want to run into a Cyril Gaon. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, big dudes like Volkov, Nganu, obviously, you know, Johnny Walker. Peter Jan, even though he's not a tall guy, you don't want to run into him in an alley. Doesn't right. he just give you that kind of energy? Oh my god, yeah. Like, think about if you saw Henry Cejudo and Piorian in an alley. I'd be like, oh, Henry, great to see you. <laughs> and then Piorian would be like, I'm just going to back away slowly. Like, I can wait here. I can wait inside. Never saw me. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got that. Hey, but look, he's all business. I've said this. And respect to him. Like, that's his vibe. And that's what gets him where he needs to go. And he's been so successful. I'm not going to hate on it. I think, you know. You're allowed to be no-nonsense, okay? That That is not a bad personality trait. Now, um, look, obviously, Peter, whoever they give him, I'm looking forward to it. Aljo, TJ Dillashaw, it's clear. It looks like TJ's on track for to make that fight probably late summer, maybe the fall, uh, it's looking like. So, I like it. I think just plain and simple, we are now moving along in the direction we need to. Anything to add? No. I mean, I think that's good. You know, not like a Moreno Figueredo. We're going to get on a fourth one. And, you oh, know, please d- don't do that to me. <laughs> well, there's more There's more drama there, right? Yes, the, yeah. Longer drama. So I'm. it makes more sense. But this one, I agree with you. It's time to move on. You'll circle back to each other soon, but not, not just yet. Yeah, completely. A lot of fun fights to still be made out there at 135. Um, I feel I almost feel bad like we have to talk about this third because that's how our show is. But man, Hamza Chimaev, Gilbert Burns. Uh, okay, so true story. You know, at Cage Side Press, where you guys know I um contribute to and I I work for, I wrote like, dude, like I don't want to see another smashing. I want to see three rounds of carnage. I want to <laughs> see them push to the limit. After all this waiting, I just don't want a quick one. I don't want to see Superman take off with the beard. Uh, I don't want to see Burns just catch him and that's it. I want to see, you know, 
I wanted to I want to savor it. I wanted to marinate and just enjoy the experience. And you know what? Every now and then the MMA gods almost make up for the fact that we never got Habib versus Tony. <laughs> and last night was one of them. I almost forgave him. That was so freaking awesome. Gilbert Burns comes out. He's bringing the business to Hamzat. Hamzat knocked down, stands up, keeps giving him the attitude knocks him down a few times you know he's just deceptively strong like you know he's got it but like when he drops burns with the jab and it's like he, he he's still got it he's you know it's like playing michael jordan you, you're up a few points you're guarding him well and then it's like you just know he could still go off um and i think that's what essentially won the day for hamzat he comes back he starts getting some damage uh, burns you know start the the gas tank starts to go lower a little bit some more of those surges they're just coming a little less frequently and Hamza just the size and the length he he's eventually he just outlasts him gets does enough damage avoids enough damage don't get me wrong they were both beat up and I, I I'm very aware that uh, Burns caught Hamza in what was it the second I think so, yeah. Yeah, late in the second where he just cracks him with that right hand on the beard and it's like <laughs> I, I'm not there were a couple moments I'm like Burns is about to get this dude out of here and it's gonna be epic. Hamzat holds on for the win. Give me your thoughts. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's that's pretty solid right there. What you what you got, what you laid out for us. But yeah, I was I was really impressed with Gilbert Burns because he came out and he gave all he had and his physique, I mean, the, the physique of Burns versus Hamzat, they're so different, and they're in the same weight class, and that was just one of those cool things when you get to see completely different body types and each completely capable of finishing the other in submission with a with a, with a strike, with a punch. So in any case, Gilbert Burns to me looked amazing, putting on that, the hurt, throwing those hurt bombs on, onto Hamzat and, uh, yeah, catching him right in the beard. Chemayev just was able to stretch it out enough to to get the win, but I was really, really thrilled to see. Like, okay, for me, even though Gilbert Burns lost, it was a great, a great like moral victory. Like he did, he performed so well. It was such an exciting fight. I think if you know, if I'm the UFC looking at him, I'm like, you know, his star doesn't fall at all. In fact, both, you know, rising tide has lifted both of these ships. So. Uh, you know, my husband was like, if this was boxing, they would have a rematch because it was so exciting. And I said, well, yeah, but but that's not going to help them get closer to the belt. And well, that's the difference between, you know, UFC and, and boxing. Um, but I kind of would 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 love to see a rematch here. But of course, you know, Chemayev has uh, has bigger ambitions. But but that was that was something special. I'll tell you what. I think uh, shortlist fight of the year. If it doesn't get fight of the year, it's because we were blessed like we were in 2020. Um, like you said, uh, Burns, uh, I can't wait to see Burns back after that one. I think that was a special kind of fight. And then for Hamzat, I mean, I know Dana White teased Colby Covington on ABC. I'm okay with that. I'll watch it. I'll like it. I like the fact that it's not a pay-per-view because I remember what it was like to be a paying fan and, you know, 12 UFC pay-per-views a year. I'm aware what it, you know, what it does to the budget. Yeah. That being said, 
I would actually be a little shocked. And I know Hamzat is like a, you know, I'll take everybody and all this and all that. Um, uh, the timeline is almost perfect. It's April. You recover from that fight. July is coming up and we're expecting Usman versus Leon Edwards. I think he could hold out. I think he could wait. And now a lot of that might be determined by what we get out of, um, you know, Luke and Bilal Muhammad uh, this Saturday. But there's no question. Hamzat, he's in a great position. He could probably get that title shot straight up. It's just about the other dominoes falling his way. Usman says he wants it or Leon Edwards says he wants it. He's going to get it for sure. I think the only way is if Usman, after all this, he's in a battle or Leon Edwards, same thing. And they're like, look, I've been waiting for this. I've been training. I want time off. That's the only way Hamzat, I think, gets another fight. I do think most of them are like, look, we'll take him. If anything, he looked more beatable, right? Which only feels better for the Usmans, Colbys and Leons of the world. It's like, oh, I can I can do this. You know, he's he doesn't, you know. 15 seconds not doesn't absorb strikes nothing like that uh, he is he bleeds and he gets hit just like anybody else let's do this yeah that's a great point is is that you know he's not this untouchable force uh up and coming force right you have a, a real pro fought for the belt that was able to show everyone like i can you can touch him and you can hurt him and so, yeah, that actually does make things a little more enticing for the folks that, you know, hold the belt or are about to fight for the belt. I I would actually like to see, though, Hamzat fight Colby. That's just fun. And, uh, you know, you get some more money while you're waiting. But I see your point. You know, he's he's a big enough star now that he can sit sit on uh, sit on the sidelines. Uh, I just, he seems like the kind of guy that's going to want to fight. So, I don't know. The timing just is working for it. You know what I mean? Um. Uh, him and Darren Till on the cage. That that did you see that photo? No, I did like, not. Like H- Hamzad is just chilling, waiting for Burns, and it's like, dude, he's very very cool photo. Just it's not groundbreaking. It's not like when Justin Gaethje flips off or Chandler yeah, yeah. there in mid-flight, but it's just like a whole vibe. And it's like you know what I was like. Okay, he he just gets it. And then um, I sent you a clip. Were you able to watch it? Yes, I was. Oh, my gosh. So he's, like, talking about Gilbert Burns. And he's, like, you know, why it was hard to, like, fight Burns. Because Burns' kids are around and they see Hamzat and, like, oh, you're fighting my dad. And then he's, like, you know, Hamzat's complaining, like, ah, you know, explicitives. And it's, like, I don't want to fight some daddy. I want to fight, you know, another killer like me. And I, I eat them and I don't feel guilty about it. And I'm like, bro, it's just that man is wired differently. And I love it. Yeah. It, it's just the kind of genuine reaction. I'm like, bro, you really are about that life. It's awesome. Yep, totally. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it was uh, I, I replayed it a lot. I just couldn't. I, I kept I like rolling on that daddy. one. Right. <laughs> and just, it's like, no, I want to I want to kill it like me. And I'm like, yeah. And this is after the fight, you know, like rolling over laughing. <laughs> anyway, great stuff. Um, Gilbert Burns had that moment where like Hamza gets him down and Burns just like kicks him off to the fence with like that attitude. Like, uh-uh, you know, it ain't going down like that tonight. Similar Tisha Torres. I don't know if you saw it. She did it to Mackenzie Dern. 
Yeah, that was, that, that. Dude, that yeah. was such a sick fight. And I was like, dude, this is. Uh, they were bringing it. Um, Mackenzie had that cool grappling exchange. Like, well, she pulls guard and she's they're against the fence. That was awesome. Um, that was another close one. I'm glad it went to Mackenzie. Anyway, there was a lot of good stuff from the undercard. Ian Gary got the win. Um, some of the others out there performing well. So overall, a very just a very good broadcast. You know, we got yeah. moving along. Alexio Linux, 60 UFC wins. You know, some of the young prospects weren't even born yet on the card when he made his debut. So it's like, dude, just once again, it's like, you know, Father Time just forgot to check in on Olenek. You know what I mean? And just yeah. <laughs> he's just still rolling. What about Raquel Pennington? I mean, that was a pretty crazy oh, performance dude. on like nine days notice. Beat an Aspen. And yeah. I'm not going to lie. That that was just really cool. Um, I think, it's you know. boxing. Yeah. We thought Aspen, like, look, she might find redemption had she mm-hmm. kept Aldana and got that win. And instead, Bantamweight uh, <sighs> is just so... It is so weird. It's weird. And like, I'm not even going to make it a thing because we have a bunch of fight cards to talk about, but Holly Holm beats Irene. Holly Holm hasn't fought since 2020. It's 2022 now. You have Raquel Pennington, Sarah McMahon. Sarah McMahon almost beats Juliana Pena. And now we're waiting for tough with Amanda. And where where does everybody fit into everything? It's like, I'll be honest. And remember 2020... The Bantamweight title doesn't get defended at all, and we really didn't even care. Yeah. It was never a topic. It was never a thing. What are we doing at Bantamweight? You know what's happening at Bantamweight. No one even acknowledged it because we were all on the same page. This is the most interesting Bantamweight has been, to the point that I want to see so many of these fighters fight just so we could get a clear route for the belt. Like, the rankings just feel so malleable because Jermaine Durandamy's been out and been hurt. And remember, remember, I think Jermaine's last fight was sleeping Juliana Pena. And it's like, oh. bro, everything is just like, dude, we, there is like no, uh, I'm trying to think. There's just no order to the chaos. Yeah, it's like the upside down over here at 135. There's yeah. no order to this chaos. It's just infuriating for the first time in a long time, which All I guess is good for points. the UFC. I have a question for you, though. It's kind of gossipy, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Go for it. Raquel Pennington, Tisha Torres, are they still together? What's going on there? You know, I, I know there are people who know the gossip. I personally don't. The impression I've gotten is... <sighs> I know they're still obviously great friends. Oh, I, okay. I'm going to just leave it as speculation, though, because I, I feel like something happened and then they're in a weird spot somehow, but that's yeah. just speculation. Yeah, that it, makes sense. I, I only asked because I thought Raquel Pennington was going to be in her corner. And then when she wasn't, I was like, oh, okay. I, it's what a, it, I, I do. Hey, whatever. I, I also want to say, I, I believe that Tisha was doing her thing for a while in Florida. Like Tisha found a better fit in Florida for a while. Yeah. But Rocky had her thing in uh, Colorado, I felt Colorado. like. Yeah. And yeah. I think they do travel, but I felt like there was a time where they actually were like, well, we they both have better fits in different states for camp. I feel like that happened and I don't know. But look, that's all. I 
I mean, it's just so awkward to ask at the press conferences oh, and media no, 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 no. days, you, you would, know? You wouldn't ask him. Yeah, of course it's you would. It's so difficult, but of course, it's like, I'm, you're not the only one who has asked that question because they're so public about it, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It's fair. Um, yeah, uh, great card. Uh, can you believe earlier that day, it's announced, you know, I didn't realize how much I'd enjoy it until I saw the announcement. Joanna versus Whaley 2 this June. Uh, I believe it's June 11th. Um, a rematch, like I said at the top of the show, arguably the best women's MMA fight of all time. You remember it. I remember it. Uh, Dana White and everybody remembers it. Dana White says that when it comes on TV at the UFC office, people have a hard time focusing. It was so good, and now they come back, and it's just such an interesting time for both of them. Joanna has not fought since that fight with Wei Li back in 2020, and she said, look, I want to fight, but I just want all the terms to be right. It seems like the terms are right for her now. Wei Li, she spent 2021, she came up short in fights against Rose Namajunas. Now she's coming back trying to work her way and stay in title contention. Both women, I mean, it's just, I don't know, compared to the last fight, you had Joanna, it's like, she's still one of the best out there, but can she get that belt back? And then Wei Li, at the time, she was just the it girl, you know, she's the yeah. new girl, and she was on this great win streak, and you're like, she beat Tisha, um, and it just was a great time, it, it was just the perfect storm, perfect clash of personalities, now we get it again, what are your thoughts? Look, this, there's a, so much... First of all, yes, very excited for the fight. This is one of those fights, like, I think it might be the only... It's got to be the only female fight, you know, that's, like, so highly touted. Like, it's a war, right? There's lots of other fights that have these spectacular moments. Ronda Rousey was a part, a lot, a part of a lot of them. Nunes, Cyborg, Shevchenko. But when you're talking about just a straight-up war, this has got to be the number one female war. Ioana versus Whaley. So... Uh, that alone, everybody who's a fan is going to be super excited. But then when you look at their recent, you know, time in the cage, there is so much on the line for them with this fight. I mean, this is just two highly competitive, highly skilled strikers colliding into each other once again. And like, they're both going to get beat up just like they did the first time. And if Joanna, Joanna doesn't win, that's going to be a real you know, turning point for her career. She's still ex- ex- still going to be considered an excellent fighter, no doubt. Uh, but it's just like, what do you do now? She's already sort of in that what do you do now position, losing twice to, to Nama Yunus. Wei Li, there's still more room for her to to sort of circle back and get a title shot, even if she loses to Ioana. But again, all that is to say there's so much on the line for this fight. The stakes are so high apart from them already having proven to us that they can give us a, a, a barn burner with all the pressure being on them sort of doubled, uh, I think we're going to see something ridiculous. Uh, to me, that that whole card, I mean, remember, you already have uh, Glover and Jiri. Mm-hmm. You have Shevchenko, Tyler Santos. You have Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori. And now you add Joanna and Wei Li. It's like, dude, like, I don't even know who's going to be the fifth fight on the pay-per-view, but uh, it's like, that's already a banger. That's already bang for your buck, 
high stakes fights, big names, great matchups. It's everything you want. So uh, I just um, and then obviously, about the only thing is, can they live up to the hype of the first fight? Because they're both so good, they both could catch each other just like any other any of the men's fights and everything else. So. Uh, you know, I think that's the one thing. It's like, I think we're going to get... It's like Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler. With more credentials, though, that they uh-huh. will deliver. Because yeah. it's like, oh, like, anything can happen. You know how they're wired. And it's like, oh, you just... You want it to be great so good. You almost push it too far. So, But I, I have no doubt they'll deliver. For sure. Um, Natalie, we got uh, several fight cards. Uh, one again, once again, one of those rare instances. UFC is taking a back seat. I think the marquee action this weekend is actually the Friday Bellator card. But we're gonna bounce around. We're gonna talk about Saturday's main event, Vicente Luque taking on Bilal Muhammad for the second time. So obviously, both of these men have been performing really well. You remember that Luque he's had a great 2021. He uh, stopped uh, Tyron Woodley. He stopped Michael Chiesa. He was the backup for Usman Covington last November. Bilal Muhammad, he had that win in... um, Oh my gosh, I'm already blanking on it. But he had the big victory and it set up the short notice fight with Leon Edwards. Obviously, he injured the eye. But he came back and he had just a dominant performance over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson last Uh December. And now he's coming in, and if Hamza Chamaev weren't there, I would be telling you that this is the title eliminator. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I agree with you there. If, if Hamza wasn't there, uh, this is a good fight. Vicente Luque has, you know, racked up some pretty impressive wins in his last four, and they've all been finishes, which is which is pretty exciting. Bilal Muhammad, yeah, good win against uh, Wonder Boy, but. You know, you look at Vicente Luque, Darce choke Michael Chiesa, Darce choke Tyron Woodley, uh, round two TKO, knees and punches, uh, uh, Randy Brown, and then, well, you know, Nico Price, doctor stoppage, okay, eye injury. But still, that's that's impressive. So Bilal Muhammad also looking good, but I think unless he does something spectacular, like, okay, Bilal Muhammad can't just win by decision. I think he's got to do something spectacular. And I, I'm looking at Vicente Luque, and I can almost guarantee he is going to do that something spectacular. Uh, so I think this is going to be a big, um, a successful night, an important night for Vicente Luque, because I think he's going to just continue that upward trajectory, sort of just buzzing through his opponents. And then he'll just be the next, the next in line. And, you know, I know you want Hamza to sit to sit on the sidelines right and wait, but if Luke does what I think he can do, that's a fun fight too. I mean, why can't Luke or Bilal versus Colby? And then everybody's happy. Colby's Everyone has fights. Everyone has uh, I mean, come on, you could, that's like what, one doctor's visit and two months <laughs> rehab, no he'll be fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, anyway, but um, no, I get you. I, I get what, look, completely. Either of these guys, they could be fit right in and it's great MMA, it's great action. Um, On their merits, they deserve it. I think one thing I would say is that I think that Bilal Muhammad, he's kind of had that Alex Volkanovsky path to the belt in that, you know, he's performing well, he's doing solid, he's getting wins. It's just 
for some reason, he just can't get over that hump. Kind of like Arnold Allen also, just like, how can you have so many wins and you're just still not getting the heat? Some yeah. guys get the heat, others don't. Some girls get the heat, others don't. I think that this is for Bilal because of the way he's been fighting. I don't even count the Leon Edwards one against him because of short notice and everything yeah. else. This just kind of feels like it has to happen now just because it's the welterweight division and it's so hard to get these wins together when you're at this level. For Vicente Luque, it this also is a big part of like, hey, can you handle the pressure? Because the difference between the Bilal Muhammad's and the Leon Edwards, the Colby's of the division, it, it's a significant step. And to have that breakthrough, you need to look good in fights like these to show that you are ready to fight those top three guys back yeah. to back to back if you're going to be that dude. The way Colby has, the way Usman, the way Masvidal, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? So in that way, this fight's really important. Luke already has the first win over Bilal. I, I need to check it. I think it's 2017. Yeah. Yeah, something like that, right? Uh, 2016, 16, November. 16. Yeah. yeah, 16. So, okay, look, it's been a minute. They both obviously had a lot of fights, good wins, some losses. They, they're both doing well. I think um, I'm with you there. Stylistically, the damage and the offensive firepower seems to favor Luque. And I think that's obviously going to be something for Bilal to have to deal with. That being said, the grappling ability of Bilal. He's one of those guys, he's built kind of like Habib. And what I mean by that, he's not this long, lean, really cut dude. But he's very big, he's very stocky for the weight class. And when he's coming forward, he's very good at avoiding that damage and just getting into close range where he could just start to grapple you and use that size of his to wear on you. Not, I'm not saying he's big as in like, you know, he needs to step away from the buffet. But the <laughs> fact is, you know, he's he's built a little wider. And when you have a guy like that, you know, clinching with you against the fence, that's where it starts to chop away at your explosiveness. That's got to be part of what he's got to do to Vicente Luque. The less time you spend in the middle of the octagon trying to make these things happen, get into exchanges, the better it is for Bilal. For Luque, the more time you spend there, you really just got to let the arsenal go a little bit. Mix with the hands, mix with the punches. Believe in your own grappling. Don't be afraid to throw kicks because that's all going to help you to slow down a guy like Bilal Muhammad who is so good and who is so tough. You kind of got to hit him with everything but the kitchen sink and wear him down over five rounds. Maybe the opportunity to catch him with something comes up. If not, you want to always be ahead on the points. For Bilal, same thing. Get him on his back. Make him work. Be smart. Be efficient with the, your entries into close range. If he can execute it, you know, things look good. If he struggles with it, this could be a long night for Bilal. Could be a tough one if he's going to try to get that decision. So, evenly matched. Both of them have things they got to worry about with the other stylistically. Uh, you tipped your hand. So, um, yeah, I, I think that Luke just... The layoff concerns me a little bit. Because I feel like Luke just has been out longer than Bilal. And that could play a factor. But... I also believe in just his style. I think he's also hitting his stride kind of like Bilal. And I think he knows this is his moment to get there too. Yeah, I I, uh, I can't disagree with anything you said there. Beautifully outlined. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, if Bilal tries to, you know, 
stay the course and take Luke H to five, if that's his plan, then I don't think he'll make it. I think he's going to get too hurt before round five finishes. Um, and so, in fact, I think Luke is going to hurt him pretty badly by round three. So I'm calling round three TKO for Luke. I'm actually going to go decision for Luke. I think that they're... I think a lot of things he just said are going to happen. Luke is going to catch him a bit. I think Bilal's going to hold his own and make him work for it a bit. But ultimately, it's just going to be a battle of attrition that uh, Luke wins. Uh, so I have a decision for Luke. Okay. I like it. Um, moving on to the next one, just because uh, we have a lot to talk about there. Um, so look, decent main event in UFC, title implications. But we have... Easily the two biggest fights of Bellator's calendar year so far happening on the same night. So start from the bottom up. You have the co-main event, the finals of the Grand Prix, the light heavyweight championship on the line, Vadim Nemkov taking on Corey Anderson. Let me tell you something. These two guys are ready. I was right next to them. I was right next to both of them. I spoke with both of them. Both of them look focused. They looked energized. They looked calm. Um, for Corey Anderson, uh, he he did not. Um, he wasn't shy about it at all. He he's aware of what his career has had. He's had ups. He's had downs. He's had some tough ones. He's he's fa- faced that whole like, well, can Corey be one of those guys? You know, at the top of the game. Um, Vadim Nemkov, since coming over to Ryzen from Ryzen, being in Bellator. He's been on fire. He's gotten some great wins. He's kind of carrying the mantle of the team Fedor, so to speak, from the legend. Um, You know, and look, this is easily his biggest name opponent. This is one of his uh, biggest fights to date just because of what Corey has done in recent years. So I think that there's everything to say this is a big deal for both men. Um, And just, yeah, stylistically, you have two well-rounded fighters. Corey can hurt you with his hands, but obviously his wrestling is the big weapon. Nemkov, you probably think he comes in a little more polished and more proficient with his kicks. He's also a decent grappler, but, you know, conventional wrestling probably still goes in the favor of Corey. So this is a very evenly matched fight with two guys on a great win streak, and it it just really creates for a great scenario here in the final. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this has actually turned out to be a pretty exciting one. You know, Nemkov has finished Bader. Corey Anderson has finished Bader. So those are really important, meaningful wins to their career. And now they're they're looking at each other head to head. Speaking of looking at each other, Corey Anderson, of course, you know, he's big, strong, scary looking dude. But there's something about Vadim Nemkov, man. He's just like another one of those those folks that if you see him in an alley, you're going to be like, oh. <laughs> I'm going, I need to turn around. I'm going to go the other way. Thank you. Uh, just a scary looking dude. So I, I'm looking at their their records and how they're finishing fights. Corey Anderson has the wrestling, but he has a knockout power too. But I really do think that this is going to be a showcase for Vadim Nemkov to display his his power. And I think it's either going to be a head kick or some kind of you know overhand something crazy i think he's going to be able to even though Corey anderson is going to use his wrestling i think nemkov's going to find an opening and mm-hmm. 
Yes, and he's going to find an opening, and he's going to be able to land. It's just going to be like a one or two punch, you know, one punch or a two punch combo, and it's going to be all she wrote. I think uh, Corey Anderson's going to be eating some hurting bombs. So uh, I already told you who I want. I'll, I'll save my round pick for after your uh, your analysis. Yeah, you know, I think that's a big thing about it is that I think Corey's confidence, that's a real big X factor. And that's something he told me is that um, when I asked him, it's like, what are you most proud of as you've grown as a fighter? And he told me, like, I never lost faith in myself. I never mm-hmm. lost confidence in myself. And truth be told, these last few fights where I think he's been given the marquee, kind of given the attention, given that time to shine, I think it's really shown. I think, look, in UFC, and I, I'll say it simply, I feel like there were a couple times they kind of set him up to have his breakthrough moment, and he ran into um, uh, Jimmy Manoa, for example. Um, uh, he had his stepping stone moment. They put him against Johnny Walker, and he delivered against Johnny Walker and then runs into this guy named Jan Blahovich. And, you know, I think he had one before the Jimmy fight, but the fact is it was like... He was that guy I think they kind of tried to set up and he had the setbacks. And at the time at light heavyweight, you know, it, it, it was dominated by the big three of Jones, Cormier, Gustafsson. Um, then you had Rumble there for a minute, but it was hard to break through to, of that triumvirate. Now, you know, with just the setup at Bellator, with the opportunities at Bellator and everything, I think he's just hitting his stride at a great time. For Nemkov, uh, this guy, he's kind of like Peter Yan in that way. He's not a man of many words. He's all business. He goes out there. Um, I get what you say about his presence. He's a perfectly nice guy. He, you oh, know, I'm sure. Everything. I'm sure. Yeah. He, he would be glad to talk to, you know, uh, Miss Natalie Zamudio for an in interview. A, in an alley? Exactly. <laughs> Nat- no. You know, like you can go up to him and interview him, you know, and everything. He's ready to talk to you, Natalie. Yeah. But no, I, I get you. Like he's he's all business. I could tell he's already dialed in. Um, and stylistically, to get into this, I think the once again the kicks are a big factor. I think that Nemkov, he's got to pick his spots, but he's got to use that full arsenal because I think that's the difference in getting a guy like Corey Anderson out of his game. If you're there just like defending the hands and then he could take you down. Obviously, that's been a tried and true strategy for many fighters over the years, even to the modern era. Nemkov has the well-rounded game. I think he's just got to have the confidence to use it. He's got to get it going early. And I think that that's the quickest way to start neutralizing the threat of Corey Anderson. I think if he gets caught waiting then that's when Corey's weapons become much more formidable and then we have a longer night, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you got to acknowledge a lot of those factors. But I'm with you there. It's hard to see a guy who's using, who's on the stride like Nemkov and has his particular skill set not getting the job done. So I'm with you there. I, I also favor Nemkov to get the W. I think it's going to be... Um, hmm. You know, I'm feeling the third round... Personally, I think that that's uh, that's going to be the sweet spot. They're going to push each other. They're going to have to make some adjustments. But I think that that's where things are going to start taking off if it's going to happen for Vidim. Well, I won't be different for the sake of being different because I was going to pick round three. So I'm going to stick to round three as well. (laughs) Oh, you're so nice. Thank you. (laughs) 
Uh, yes, we. I know we have that problem sometimes. We just start convincing the other, you know, <laughs> which means we're doing well. It's like, wait, dang it, that's a good point. <laughs> um, look, uh, good stuff. Um, what happens next at light heavyweight? I'm not entirely sure. I would love it to be Gegard Musasi, but we'll get into that later. Um, like another episode. Uh, it ends with the rematch. They are focused. They are motivated. AJ McKee looking to defend the title that he took from Patricio Pitbull. Um, I don't know if you caught it yet. I know that being a mom keeps you busy. At the press conference today, Pitbull says very few words. Actually, the one to have the exchange was his big brother, Patricky. Oh. Yes. Well, I think he might actually be younger, just taller. But look, Patricky <laughs> Pitbull is my bad. Uh, Patricky oh. Pitbull is the one, you know, the lightweight champion. And AJ said, I will take, you know, like, I, he's ready to take on the whole family, right? Yeah. You know, good for him. But, you know, and it's, I just found it a little telling. I think that it's a very interesting scenario. I think that, look, Pitbull's the one. He loses twice to AJ. What does that mean for his career? Obviously, there's going to be big fights for him. But now you're waiting for the guy to leave or to lose. That's never a good spot for a fighter. Then for AJ McKee, the route to big things is a little longer than we expected. But it now involves taking on all these big names. Like, he's undefeated. Can he stay undefeated? If he continues... We are talking about Kayla Harrison free agency part two. We are talking about just these um, opportunities. And, you know, compared to Kayla, just because she's our most recent example, UFC is alive and thriving at 145. PFL would love to have them. One championship, you can make stuff happen. Christian Lee, all these other guys, you can make fights happen. I think that that's really going to be the key is just... If he could get another three victories, starting with taking on the all-time leader in just about everything in Patricio Pitbull, that's a big deal. So there's a lot on the line for these two. Yeah, there certainly is. You know, apart from, you know, career-wise there is and just personally, right? There's bad blood. Uh, Pitbull, Pitbull, does he still contend that he didn't go out? I don't know, but I know at the time he did um, in that in that choke. So... There's bad blood. There's there's a lot of dislike for each other, and and yeah, the families have been involved in that too. If AJ McKee takes us on the free agency roller coaster that Kayla Harrison did, I don't know if I could handle it. But I am curious because we have someone, you know, we have a, a, a someone who who already just did that recently in Michael Chandler, right, and was willing to take a pay cut to go to the UFC. AJ McKee doesn't strike me as the kind of person willing to do that. However, the UFC is the UFC. It's the preeminent MMA promotion. So I'm not going to get into the weeds about the free agency thing, but that's what's on my mind. Um, As far as this rematch goes, I mean, AJ McKee, I think even with all his talents and all his success in the Bellator cage, I think he surprised everybody with the way he charged forward and knocked down and then choked out Pitbull. I certainly, personally, did not see his victory coming in that fashion or his victory coming at all against Pitbull. So what you have now is an angry Pitbull, 
and an AJ McKee that wants to prove it wasn't a fluke the way he beat Pitbull. Um, I kind of meant, I'm kind of seeing a war here. I, I don't see either person coming out fast and aggressive. Like I could see Pitbull, people thinking Pitbull might, but like if I'm him, this is not the, the time to prove that you can knock out AJ McKee, you know, in, in round one. You want to feel this out. You want to, you know, stick and move and find your opening. Take your time. And I think that AJ McKee is going to is going to play this one smart too. So, I kind of think this could be a war and I kind of think this could go to decision. Um, as a result, well, oh, sorry, I'll pass it back to you for your uh, your take and then I'll tell you who I think is going to win. Um, when I asked AJ, he he let me know, like, dude, even if it were a battle, he expects to win this one quick, as yeah. he should be thinking and have the confidence in him. I, I actually feel a little bit of the same. I just, I know AJ has complete ability to replicate the kind of success he had in the first fight. I feel like Pitbull, I, I'm aware of what he brings to the table. I'm aware he's that engine that when it gets revving up, it has really just take it you remember back to the future three when the, the train destroys the car he could do that to most anybody any given night yeah before the loss to aj we were talking about hey do you feel like he could make stuff happen against volkanovsky and we know how good volkanovsky looked um obviously uh you know two nights ago so to me it really like you have to remember the skill sets on both men the explosiveness the power for McKee, the quickness, the range, just that ability, his physical weapons, his physical advantages are such a big deal on top of the fact that he's so well-rounded, you know. For a kid who was raised by a wrestler and a grappler, he's so good off of his back and he's so proficient off of his back. And then for Pitbull, just for being such a technical counter-striker, he is so explosive and powerful if he were to try to walk you down. Um, all of that makes for another great fight. You know, supposedly, I think the real big factor is that because of the way these two fight, it is more likely to end with something dramatic because of the way they bring it. I just think that because they're going to be looking for those spots, I think there's going to be those openings for the guys at their level. It's just going to be about who forces the other to open up more. And I think that's what you saw against AJ, just... Pitbull has to make stuff happen to get into that range. Uh, AJ can look to wrestle. He can look to, you know, stay on the outside on the feet. And, you know, he forces Pitbull to have to make decisions and do things to come inside of him. And I think that that's going to be where it goes. I think that it's just going to be one of those fights where if AJ leads the dance, it should be him. If Pitbull's the one getting it going, he's got to sustain it longer. And I think that's something we saw him struggle with early. And I will say he got caught. I don't think that if you replicate it again, he gets caught the same way again. That being said, he finds himself already having to overcome a couple of those problems from AJ. And I think that's just one of his biggest struggles stylistically in this fight. So I'll, I'll go ahead. You know what, ladies first. Go ahead and close this one out. Sure, first. sure. I think uh, all, all great points. Um, I could totally see that happening. I'm going to... I'm going to stay on my course here with a decision. I think Pitbull's going to going to win by decision. Um, he's just going to be able to 
hurt AJ more, but AJ's not going to be standing still to get knocked out. So it's going to go to the judges. I see Pitbull uh, evening up the score here, making it one and one. Ooh, boy. <sighs> Ooh. Because, see, I, I'm aware, like, Pitbull's got it. I just think that AJ's got it too, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I, I think that that's going to be the key. I think, to be honest, I, I, I feel that confidence. I just have seen it. I've seen him train. Um, I know Pitbull brings it. I've seen the footage. I know it's not cap, as the kids would say. <laughs> um, I, I think AJ McKee's going to get it done in the second round. I, I just think he's going to find his opening. He's going to hurt him with something. Might follow him to the mat. Um, not quite like the first fight. Uh, I think there might be a little more grappling, but I think that AJ McKee just kind of gets him to that position and gets him out of there. Uh, so AJ McKee for the win in the second round on my card for Ooh. I think our first break of the first break in a couple of weeks. I think so. Yeah. There we go. Okay, I like it. Yep. So it's gonna be a very interesting one. That is for sure. And uh, Natalie, I gotta say, uh, you know, we had one week without MMA. It got a little dicey, dicey there for a minute, <laughs> and now here we are back again. They've got Bellator Hawaii. They've mm. got UFC. They've got Chris Cyborg. They've got Juliana Velasquez. They've got Amanda Lemos and Jessica Andrade. I mean, what are you thinking? How are you feeling going in ahead of this week? Look, there's good fights. All lined up for us. Hawaii is the one I'm really excited for. When's uh, what, what time do you take off? What time do you go to Hawaii? I do not go to Hawaii. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was. No, I meant for some... vacation. For vacation. Oh, vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When someone pays me. <laughs> Are we gonna meet in, let's meet in Hawaii. Have oh, a vacation. That... Catch a fight. Right, dude. Yeah. Let me tell you something. But <laughs> the budget. One day the budget will be that good. It's just not this day. <laughs> but yeah you know look i mean um i think anytime you have two championship fights in one week that's always awesome um so for bellator it's a good one uh i always like watching jessica andrage compete so i'm looking forward to that and um yeah just keep it nice and simple uh the mma train keeps on rolling um if i'm not mistaken i don't know if it's next week or week after next but pfl comes back for season one Oh, sorry, not season one, uh, PFL one of now season four. We've already reached that point, believe it or not. So I think it's going to be very interesting to keep track of it. Obviously, we'll talk about the action as it gets closer with the more marquee fights over at PFL. And yeah, that'll, that'll do it for this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe. And as always, see you next time.